All right. <clears throat> Looking at the clock in a mild panic because we, we sometimes get started later than we should, but <clears throat> the, the message this morning is actually very, very simple. And if I got nothing else out of going to Rewired uh, Friday and Saturday, uh, the a phrase that a, a speaker used yesterday morning, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal that and and just run with it until Jesus comes back and tells me to quit using it. But he he talked about putting the cookies on the bottom shelf, and and we as ministers of the gospel sometimes we. We spend way too much time being way too technical and we keep the cookies on the top shelf. Uh, it was one of my favorite things about my grandma's house is the cookies were never out of reach. From the time I was Titus's age and size, I could get in the cookies at grandma's house. And that was the routine when you came in the door that that back door, you just walked right into the kitchen and you grabbed this Tupperware Many of you may have it. I don't know. It was this brown, tall cylinder Tupperware with a lid. And there were always cookies there. And the cookies were always low enough that the smallest people who could walk, talk, and say, hey, Grandma, I want a cookie, could get the cookies. I want you to understand that that's the way God wants Scripture to be for us. When you share the gospel with people, you need to take and put the cookies on the bottom shelf. Don't... Don't think it has to be something rich and complex and, and, and really skillful. Put the cookies on the bottom shelf. And that may be something as simple as just sharing your testimony and telling people what Jesus did for you. The, the <clears throat> archaic idea of you may be the only Bible that people ever read is really not out of date. Because I don't know a lot of people who are just lining up and saying, hand me the Bible. I want to read the Bible. There, since 2010, there have been over 10,000 books written with the, the word identity in the title. People are trying to find identity. If you go to Barnes & Noble or you look it up in a genre on Amazon, it's going to be under the self-help section. If self could help self, we wouldn't need God. If you could really muster it up to do it yourself, you really wouldn't need God. And, and we, we're, we're saturated in a culture that believes that if they just find the right formula, they can help themselves be a better person. Well, I'm glad to tell you that and, and we'll see this quote again later in the messages. The gospel is not about making good better. It's about bringing the dead to life. And the nature of the gospel in its truest form can be boiled down to this one thing. It is unstoppable. If you go to share the gospel with somebody, I'm just going to tell you, you can't mess it up bad enough that God will not start to work through it. You may just be the person who scratched the surface for someone else to sow seed. But God has already factored in enough room for, 
your blunderings, your mistakes, uh, dare I say it, you're stupid. You know, I, I have plenty of stupid and God has already factored in space for that. I'm glad that he's rich in mercy and he's full of grace and that his gospel is unstoppable. And we're going to look at that today in Acts chapter 5. <clears throat> Acts chapter 5, verses 27 through 42. This is a fairly long passage of scripture compared to what we normally read. So <clears throat> bear with me. <clears throat> Man, that's a lot easier to read up there than it is here. So I'm just going to read it out of my Bible because it's easier to see. <clears throat> Then they brought the apostles before the high council where the high priest confronted them. We gave you strict orders to never again, never again to teach in this man's name, he said. Instead, you have filled all Jerusalem with your teaching about him, and you want to make us responsible for his death. But Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than than human authority. <clears throat> the God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead after you killed him by hanging him on the cross. Then God, then God placed him at honor at his right hand as prince and savior. He did this so the people of Israel would repent of their sins and be forgiven. We are witnesses of these things and so is the Holy Spirit who is given by God to those who obey him. <clears throat> and when they had heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in high honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, men of Israel, take care what you are about to do with these men. For before these days, Theotis rose up claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice. And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple, from house to house, they did not cease teaching and proclaiming that the Christ is Jesus. There are four characteristics of the unstoppable nature of the gospel. And the first one is it is always rooted in obedience. When, when we look at what Jesus said, we're called from the moment that we know him as Lord and Savior, we are called to share the gospel. We are given the great commission. And 
We, we won't go back and talk about the breakdown of co-mission where we're on mission with Jesus Christ. That's the simplest way to put what a commission is. You are on mission with the person who gave you the mission. So you're never out there sharing the gospel alone. Peter's response when they're, they're being accused is, is very simple. We must obey God. If you want to be an effective Christian where you share your faith, it must start rooted in obedience. Why do I tell people about Jesus? Because God told me to. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And if I claim him as my Lord, this was a great quote from Shane Pruitt. It says, once you say yes to the king, that is the only answer you can give to his commands that will be right. So if I say, Jesus, I want you to come into my life. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. Then when he gives commands, the only reply that fits is yes. Love your neighbor as yourself. Yes. Go preach the gospel to every living creature. Yes. Bless those that persecute you. Come on, man. I mean... Wow. Yes. Pray for those who despitefully use you. Yes. Ouch. We, we could go on because there's plenty of commands. But if he's really your Lord, that's the only one that fits. And, and sharing the gospel is the primary command that Jesus gave his followers when he resurrected from the dead. And, and it, it's phrased differently by different gospels because they're different guys. Okay, if you haven't ever picked up on that, they're not saying that he said different things. They're different people. And, and I could take you to some very specifics of that. You know, Mark and Luke are my favorite too. They, they both give an account of the woman with the issue of blood. Mark is very quick to point out that she suffered many things at the hands of physicians and had spent all her money with them. Luke never says that. There's a reason. Luke's a doctor. Of course he's not going to say that. You know, it's... Okay, anyways, that was a rabbit. We'll quit chasing. But in Mark, Jesus said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. It was a command. And Peter understood this. And that's why he stands before the high priest in the council. And he says, are we to obey you or are we to obey God? Because I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to choose God. Which... We, we see their reaction, but it gets better if you really read this account. Not only if you break it down, put the cookies on the bottom shelf, the high priest and the council are telling them, do not preach the gospel. And the very next thing that Peter does is he preaches the gospel to the high council. What a reaction. <laughs> and, and, and that's the second thing about it. It is always about the gospel. The high priest said... And, and we'll, we'll jump back. We'll jump back here. Uh, <laughs> you know, we gave you strict orders in verse 28, never again to teach in this man's name. Instead, you have filled all Jerusalem with your teaching about him. 
what, wouldn't that be great for people to say about our church? You know, they have filled this whole area with teaching about Jesus. Woo-hoo! And, and they said, you know, we've told you not to do this, and, and you want to make us responsible for his death. And, and Peter, you know, quoting Phineas and Ferb, would say, yes, yes, we did. Because he goes on and, and he, he says, he tells them, you know, should we obey you or should we obey God? Because the God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead after you killed him and hung him on the cross. That is the message of the gospel, that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and God gave him the power to resurrect from the dead. That's the message of the gospel. And why did he do it? Why did he die on the cross? He died on the cross for your sins. People don't want to hear that. That's not popular in today's culture. But here's the reality of it. Until you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your identity in the eyes of the God of all eternity is a sinner. That's the reality. Until you accept Jesus and allow him to wash you and make you white as snow, to quote you know, the old hymns, until you allow that to happen, your identity is a sinner and you are actually listed as an enemy of God. You have enmity with him, according to the King James Bible. Enmity means exact opposition. That's who you are. And Peter is telling the religious leaders of the day, that's who you are. You killed the Christ, the Messiah. You hung him on a tree and God resurrected him from the dead. I want you to understand there are churches full of good people. Take this in the loving way that I mean it. They're full of good people who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ and they are going to go to hell. That is the stone cold truth about it. Being a good person does not get you into heaven. You can't be good enough to get yourself into heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through me. Ouch. And that brings us to the third characteristic of the gospel. It is reality. It is reality. People, we, we live in a world that wants to tell you that the Bible is just a collection of, of myths and fables and, and, and we won't spend a lot of time on what the world says about the Bible because I don't care what the world says. I, I know that this is the written word of God, that God divinely purposed this word of God and he inspired it through the writing of men. And it is the infallible word of God, that it is truth. It is the, I can hold it in my hands and I can read it. And I can hear God speak directly to me through his word. The word of God plus nothing else. I don't need anything else to tell me God's will for my life. Because it's here. 
and it is truth. And, and I could take you through all the evidence. And believe me, there's a lot of evidence. And they, they haven't dug up anything out of the earth in archaeology that disproves the Bible. Everything they dig up backs it up. At some point, they're going to quit digging. They're going to quit digging because it doesn't fit their narrative. Or they're going to start burying stuff in it. I don't know. Because sin is what it is. But the gospel is a reality. The reason I know is because I was dead in my sin. I, I was living a life that was solely to please me and my fleshly desires. And the power of Jesus Christ came in and convinced me. I was convinced of my sin. I was convinced that I was selfish, that I was, I'm not going to list out everything I was because many of you would find yourself being able to look back and say, I remember me being that way too. But by the grace of God, Jesus Christ, while I was still a sinner, he had died for me. And when I accepted him as my Lord and Savior, I understood that a lot of the things I was chasing were temporary. And they weren't really the, the reality that God had called me to. And, and we get to see this in the expert opinion of Gamaliel. Gamaliel, if, if you're a Bible scholar, you'll find out later, he was the, the teacher who taught a young man named Saul, who would become Paul. And, and he stands up and he reminds them of, of some truth, that there were other men who had, had riled up the city before. And, and he calls them by name and he says, you remember these guys, when they came, they, they led people out and, and when they were killed, their movement stopped. And, and, you know, here's the reality, back up off these guys because if, if, if it's a device or a scheme of theirs, it will fail. But if it's of God, it is going to be unstoppable. And if you try and get in the way, you're going to find yourself in opposition to God. Now, we never have an account of Gamaliel becoming a believer in Jesus Christ. I want you to understand that God will use non-Christians to spread his message. And it's happened over and over again throughout history because... If their plan is of man, it will fail. If it is from God, it is unstoppable. And if you get in the way, you will find yourself fighting against God. Romans chapter 14, verses 11 and 12. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue will confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. The reality of the gospel is everyone who rejects the gospel will one day bow their knee before the throne of God and they will confess that Jesus is Lord. They will find themselves on the wrong end of the unstoppable nature of the gospel. That, that's not a message that is preached enough in the world today. That the gospel is the gospel whether you believe it or not. But one day you will confess to the reality and the truth of the gospel. 
And the last part of that ought to just send shivers down your spine a little bit as a Christian, that each of us will give an account of himself to God. What did you do with the gospel may be that question. Ouch. Because as we started, if he's really your Lord, saying no is not an option. No, I'm not going to spread the gospel. I'm not going to tell people about what Jesus did for me, that he'll do it for them too. The final thing about the gospel is it is about Jesus. It's not about you. It's not about how many people you shared the gospel with that got saved. A lot of people like to talk about, you know, evangelists of old. You know, one of my favorite guys to study, he's a great guy. I love listening to him preach is Billy Graham. The majority of people who went and, and claimed to have a salvation experience in, in Billy Graham's ministries would fall away and almost you have nothing to do with the church or with the work of the gospel. And you look at it and you say, here's the reality is the, the reason that so many people wanted that initial encounter is because Graham did the one thing right. He always made it about Jesus. But the people who heard his message didn't. And not to, not to throw stones, but I'm, I'm not blaming Billy Graham. I'm blaming the church at that point. Because the church needed to come alongside and disciple these people. Because you read the parable of the sower, what happens if, if the word of God doesn't take root in good ground? Either the thorns and the cares of this life choke it away, or the, the one that always gets me is the birds that come and devour it. And it's very specific in the, the original text that, that those, were, those were blackbirds that came and devoured it off of there. And black is always a representation of Satan. And, and what is his primary purpose? To steal. He's going to steal the knowledge of the Word of God away from them. He's looking to kill and destroy. It's about Jesus. And, and faith under attack is not new. I want you to understand that, that we in the American church are finally starting to get persecuted. And most of it's just say, them saying bad things about you or putting you in Facebook jail. I have yet to be put in Facebook jail. It may happen right now, and that's okay. That, that's okay. The Word of God will still go forth. But we, we don't like it. It's uncomfortable for us, but it's because we have the wrong idea and perspective. Nero said, I'm going to stamp out Christianity. I'm going to round them up and kill every Christian. He used them, he dipped them in oil to light his dinner parties at night and to light the roads for evening chariot races. And Nero failed because the gospel was unstoppable and Christians began to flee Nero and share the gospel as they went. Diocletian, same idea as Nero. I'm going to stamp out Christianity. I'm going to kill them. Guess what? They went even farther and spread the gospel. And then Nietzsche, 
if I can't get them, I can't just kill these people off. I'm going to kill the ideology and I'm going to come out and boldly declare that God is dead. And, and if, if they're great educated thinkers, they will join me in saying God is dead. And Nietzsche went as far as to have a printing press where he would put out pamphlets inviting people to bring their Bibles and their holy texts and burn them because God was dead and he was no longer listening. Are you ready for the reality? Nietzsche died. And in the town he lived in, the Bible Society bought his house and used his printing press to print the word of God. The gospel is unstoppable. In verse 40, they had them flogged. I want you to understand that was, we, we don't know the number of stripes, but according to the book of Deuteronomy, it has to be in groupings of three. And that takes place two on the back, one backhand across the chest. In case you need a visual of that, that's how flogging worked. Two on the back, one in the front. And it had to be in groups of three, which is why 39 was the max you could get. And some historians believe 40 would actually kill a man. But we don't know how much they were beaten here. But they were flogged and they commanded them not to speak in the name of Jesus. Don't go out teaching in the name of Jesus. Don't spread the gospel. And they let them go. And they left rejoicing. Because God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. It was a disgraceful thing to be flogged for anything. And they rejoiced. And Paul would later write in Philippians, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I want you to understand when you are a true carrier of the gospel, this is your mindset. For me to live is Christ. Every day that I get is just a gift from Him. Every good thing that comes into my life, that's a gift from Him. And to die is gain. When this life is over, I'm going to heaven. Because what can the world do to you if that is your mindset? Well, Scott's preaching the gospel. Let's, let's chain him up and beat him. Well, God let me live. It's a game. Well, well, you know what? Beating him wasn't enough. We're going to execute him. Scott's going to heaven. How do you stop a minister of the gospel who understands that every day that you're given on this earth is a gift from God to share the gospel and the day that you don't have any days left, when you're done... You're going to heaven. The gospel is unstoppable. The gospel is not about making good better. It's about bringing the dead to life. You, you don't share the gospel with good people to make them better. Because there, there are good people that are just like the Pharisees of the day. Jesus called them sepulchers full of dead men's bones. They were pretty on the outside. They looked good. But inside they were hollow and they were dead. The gospel is about bringing that dead to life. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning.
Lord, thank you for the gospel, the good news that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and he rose from the grave. Lord, the, the beautiful reality of that is, is that all these religions of the world that had good men, you can go to the grave of those good men and they're still there. The reality of who Jesus is is that he died on the cross and he rose from the grave. That he just borrowed a tomb for three days because he wasn't going to need it because he is alive and lives forevermore. And he's not caught off guard by all the shifting and changes of our world. And he gave us a gospel to share with the world as it goes darker and darker, getting ready for him to come back. God, I pray that as we, as we go our separate ways today, that, that Lord, you would convict us in our heart about maybe just the, the passive ways we've been opposing you how we're picking and choosing who we share the gospel with or we're, we're hiding behind excuses. Lord, help us to, to get out of the way and to let the gospel of your son be what it is. It's unstoppable. Lord, help us to do that in every arena of our life. Lord, thank you again for your word and for your son, Jesus. In his name I pray, amen.